You ready to do this, man? I am ready. All right, let's go on in here, I guess, man. Let's have some fun. The okay. Great Debates. Let me uh, change some music up here a little bit. Let's, uh, let's change the set the tone. I feel like I need to put some like, dungeon music or something. <laughs> the Great Debate. The Great Debate. The Great... And we're actually streaming from New World, so I'm hoping to see if we can pull in some people from New World to come kick it with us tonight. So we can have some fun, man. Uh, welcome, everybody, man. This is the Less Than Average Podcast. Uh, this is actually episode number 49 almost 50 which is kind of crazy and tonight wow. we have got the deadly dad gaming on the podcast welcome my friend hello how, hello. how goes it my guy how you doing tonight pretty good you ready I'm good you ready for the debate i'm just kidding it's not really a debate we're just gonna be talking new world it's not really a debate there's just a, a we'll different talking shop we're talking shop exact that's a great way to put it we're gonna be talking some shop man so uh before we get jumped in man let's uh i just wanted to say thank you all the listeners that are out there man we are officially almost at 2,000 listens on the podcast across the world and we're just crossed the threshold of now 200 active listeners so i wanted to say thank you all out there who are listening uh we don't post this on pot on anywhere else we only do this live every sunday and sometimes some special podcasts here and there like the one tonight tonight is thursday and uh, we're rocking and rolling. So if you guys want to head over to twitch.tv forward slash level day, if you can always catch the podcast it's on the schedule or follow my socials, man, and you can check them out. So um, having said that, tonight is Deadly Dad Gaming. And Deadly, give us a little bit of insight, man. Let's talk about you before we jump. We got time for New World. We got time for mm -hmm. New World. So give me some insight on you, man. What got you into gaming? And like, what what is your, your, your like... How did you get into it? Why are you a streamer? Like, let's go through the whole gambit, bro. Let's go through all of it. Give me the background. Well, how much time do we have here? We got to <laughs> go way as, back. <laughs> as much as you want, bro. As much as you want. <laughs> oh, man. So I would say when I was about four years old, my older brother, who's six and a half years older than I, mm -hmm. um, started playing video games with me. And that's how I got hooked. You know, okay. monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. Older brother does something. You want to do it and you want to do it better. You know what I mean? Absolutely, so, dude. I was always competing with him. And, and uh, of course, I was the better gamer. Ah, calling him out. Calling him out. Right. I'm going to flip you over here. There you go. So, okay, okay. So, um, you got into it. Older brother kind of got you into it. What was the first game you touched, man? What was the first thing that got you into gaming? Um, I would say it was the Nintendo Entertainment System, original NES. Ooh, okay, we, uh, okay. We we started on, but then it's funny because we we got that when it very first like came out, but then we also ended up getting an Atari Twenty Six Hundred and like mm. all those old systems too. Yep, yep. So we were playing all different types of games, and uh, yeah mario brothers of, of course that was the, the staple classic right was that what was Tried the first it. one that you played that made you stay up like late at night to like you like the one that you couldn't turn off oh man uh, probably i got heavy into the sports games so like nhl madden i used to always play those with my buddies and stay up late trying to you know perfect your team i loved being the gm of the team and making mm -hmm. trades and trying to do all uh, the 
deals in the background and, and making sure that you got the best roster possible right and, dude that's yeah. one thing i could never get into i could just i could never get into sports games man it's i mean i watch sports i've played a bunch of sports i just could never play i could i think the only sports game i actually liked you remember nfl blitz oh yeah bro i remember that that game was fun as shit because it wasn't like a sports game it was like is this madness the whole thing was madness the whole game was just wild they had like nfl they had nfl blitz and then they had nfl street blitz where it was like street football i remember they made like an offshoot of it it was yeah, weird man yeah. they had like an arcade game for it it was crazy but that was the only sports game i last played um probably religiously after that man i just kind of dropped off even same thing like do you do uh racing games at all uh, I used to. I used to be a big Gran Turismo guy. I love the Gran uh, Turismo. Oh, yeah. That series is yeah. good, man. It looks so realistic yeah. now. It's kind of wild, man. I mean, that's yeah. funny. 10 years from now, we're going to look back and be like, Psh, 2021 graphics were shit compared to what this is right. now. <laughs> like, compared to what it is now. Yeah, man. Well, I'm just waiting for the full virtual reality setups, you know, and ooh, get yeah. the vest and the treadmill and all that stuff from like Ready Player One type mm -hmm. of stuff. Bro, I cannot wait. I know I'm never gonna see my wife again. She's gonna leave me. <laughs> <laughs> She's gonna leave me. Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Megan. Oh man, well, that's awesome, bro. Well, what um, what's the drive into MMOs for you? Like, what was the first MMO? And you're like, ooh, I like this shit. Like, this is my jam. Um, it was. Well, it wasn't really an MMO by, by normal standards, but Diablo and Diablo two for okay. sure those type of games dungeon crawler like rpg but and then the really big mmo game that i got heavily into when i was in my mid-20s was final fantasy online oh the first one. okay the Dude, 414 that game i tried playing that when i was in high school when it came out for uh, the xbox 360 they had for xbox 360 yeah. i remember playing it and it was so slow and i was like because i had been used to playing you know world of warcraft lineage 2 guild wars things like that yeah and i came out of final fantasy i was like oh this would be cool i like final fantasy at the time i think uh final fantasy 9 and 10 i think 10 or 10 x2 or whatever it was was coming out at the same time i was like oh i love final fantasy games this would be awesome and uh, I jump right. into that game. I was like, bro, it takes you 30 minutes to kill one thing. What the fuck is this? <laughs> I, was, I was like, what is happening here? Uh, what what yeah. was the drive of that game for you? Like, what was the appeal? Um, I think I just got into a good group of people that I, I gamed with regularly. And they all picked it up. And I sort of joined with them. And then we ended up making our own, like, guild okay. and everything. And and we got pretty hardcore about it like we were competing and camping for like the what they call it the huge notorious monsters in mm -hmm. the open world and stuff um i hear they were sorry to cut you off yeah no, no, i was sorry to cut you off go ahead uh i was just saying that i was just gonna say uh, they some of them would only have like spawn windows of like 36 to 72 hours so you would have to have someone constantly on watch in the open world waiting for it to spawn. And then whoever claims it first gets to fight it sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, I hear that it took dedication to play that game, like heavy dedication to play that game. Because I um, I had a buddy of mine named Carrot760. He was on the podcast before and we were talking about 
Final Fantasy 14 and then the evolution from it. And when he told me that it's on a 24 hour rotation and it's randomized and they would have people staying up till 2 a.m. And then people staying up from 2 to 4 to like mm-hmm. watch for a boss spawn. I was like, yep. holy shit. Like how <laughs> you guys are into there it. There were some hardcore players back then, my friend. Oh, my goodness. You would have shifts and everything. Everyone would have their dedicated shift. Dude. Like two to four hour shifts of watching for that spawn. Dude, that's because just too much. Basically, if if you didn't kill it and you missed out on getting the materials off of off of that notorious monster, you you basically lose control of the economy for those materials because each one would drop specific materials to craft high end gear, right? Okay. Yeah. So your guild would try and control certain boss spawns and make sure that you control the market on those materials and make sure that your guild members are all kitted out with with the that gear from that that's crafted from that notorious monster like that was the thing so right yeah. right it's it's a it's a weird system that it's like that's very just old school style cuz when i was playing like lineage 2 back in the day that style of game is like um it's very outdated now. In that game, it's literally just oh, kill yeah. monsters to get XP. I mean, quests were like non-existent, and quests didn't even give you good gear. It's all it was all crafted gear. And the one thing I find that's interesting, this kind of leads us into New World. Um, in that game, it was a very heavily player traded economy. Um, in that game, for example, if you wanted to sell something, you could either trade somebody or you mm-hmm. could set up what they call a shop. And you literally is just your character would literally just sit on the ground and then have yeah. like some text above their head like, hey, selling, you know, spirit shot for 32 gold a piece or what or Adina a piece. And then you would literally just yeah. leave your character there on all night, just like hanging out and hoping that somebody bought shit from you while you were gone. So you go to a main city and there'd be like a hundred people just sitting on the ground selling shit. You're like, what the fuck is this? Like that was the only that way was, to do it. <laughs> that was the coolest thing about that game, I think. There'd be like just random character player characters sitting there just, in the open in the in the cities, just hanging with their sh- shop up, just hanging out. Yeah, and you would inspect their shop and see what they were selling, and if they had anything that you wanted, you just buy it off of them. It was so it was, weird. It was such a crazy system, but like in this game in New World, I find that the the trading, I like that it's. Um, I think it has pluses and minuses on the trading post. So I think we should start there because um, I like how it has interchangeable prices based on where you are. So gold, you know, like wood in Everfalls would be 10 times cheaper than wood over in uh, Brightwood, for example, or in mm-hmm. a Restless Shore. So for that example, like, you're going to have to basically lug that wood over there. But if you do and somebody buys it, you could probably buy it for 5, 6x you know the amount of that you paid for it which is great the problem is with a system like that like even amazon game studios the same thing like there's no way to like it just creates these trading hubs that everybody wants to fight for and then everything else just loses money so it kind of just deflates the economy and so because of that it kind of ruins the gameplay so what do you where's your stance on the trading post stuff man what do you think uh with the trading post stuff i think um it's it's necessary to, to combine them all, uh, honestly, because we we are already seeing seeing the effects of having each town ha- have their own uh, trading posts. 
you know, dedicated just to that town. Right. It's not working very well for the out, outlying territories. Yeah. Nobody's nobody's buying from those territories. And then the, the companies that own those territories are going broke trying to just upkeep their territory because they're yeah. not making enough tax revenue. So I think I think that was just something they overlooked possibly in the overall scheme of things where they didn't realize how important the middle of the map was going to be yeah. for, for trade hub wise. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a good change to bring in the combined auction houses where you're going to be able to list everything right off the bat, wherever you gather it from, and it'll go into the global economy and the people won't have to worry about, oh, I, I want to go to Windsor to, to sell my stuff or, oh, I need to go to Windsor and buy from there because it's the cheapest there. Yeah. You, know, you can just buy or sell from wherever and the tax money will be spread accordingly to where, wherever it's it's uh been listed from which is which is i think gonna bring a lot more life to the to the outlying towns where people won't be afraid to to spend more time out here in morningdale like right now i'm sitting in morningdale and it's a really cool town like more people should come here and yeah, spend more nice. time here you know it's like a better like, better windsward <laughs> like, yeah exactly it's like a better windsward um yeah, I think it's a good call for them. I think the one thing I find very strange in this game is their decision not to allow vendors really is a weird choice for Amazon Game Studios. I get they want it to be player driven, but the problem is, is that, and they've already addressed this, they've already said that this is a problem, is that when you get to end game, you get to level 60, coin becomes so much harder to come by because you know, the drop rate is so low on monsters so say if you're not if you're not crafting and you're not selling in these these trading hubs um then you're not making money and if you're losing money and there's not enough money to be dropped and you don't have a vendor just to sell junk items to then you know mm -hmm. you're you're basically in this this no win scenario um and they've done yeah. a couple things like and we can bring up the stats but they they basically said like they're going to um increase the amount the, of money that drops from invasions they're increasing like your first three pvp missions or uh, faction missions of the day gives you bonus gold um they're doing it where more stuff is coming out for um like while you're leveling uh you're gonna get more gold out the bat um and one thing i thought was interesting is that there's they're thinking of well this is my thought um speaking of trading hubs right I always felt that the most tax re the one that brings the most tax revenue should be shared amongst the companies that are owning territory. Um, I felt like that would be a good balance to keep. It would make sense for the faction. So, for example, if your faction owned Reekwater, Restless Shore, and Windsward, Windsward out of those three are gonna, is going to be the money maker. And because of that, you can right. keep your crafting stations afloat in Reekwater and Restless because you're going to have tax revenue divvied up. And I think they said they're going to be doing that, which is interesting. Like, what do you think? Like, do you think that's fair to the company that took the land? Like, I, I think they could do it in a way that would be fair. If, if like, I maybe it should be based on how many. Um, members from those companies are running missions to help influence and keep control of the territory. I don't know if they can actually track that or not, but mm. maybe that might be a good way to to divvy up funds. Um, but yeah, I think that's a decent idea to 
to try and spread out some of the wealth to the co other companies that are owning other territories for your faction. I think but, it, incentiv it incentivizes your faction to work together to take specific yeah. territories because they know it's like, hey, if we own a Morningdale and we own a Reekwater, um, and we uh, we should push for a, a crafting town that makes more money and more tax revenue, gets more foot traffic because that will supplement the other two. And that allows the yeah. faction. So it's not, it wouldn't be looked so down upon. Cause I think one thing that's happening right now, politically wise in the game is like, for example, if you're, if you're a company and you got a bunch of members, right? I'm, I got a company, we got a lot of people and a lot of active members. And there's a lot of big companies on these bigger servers that have the same thing. Like you guys are on syndicate. You got mm -hmm. a big company, right? Um, because of that though, it, it doesn't, why would it incentivize me? to not shoot for Windsward or Everfall where I can actually get good tax revenue. Because like, if not, I'm gonna get a Morningdale, I might be in a tax deficit. Why would I take on that burden if I have yeah. to take on a tax deficit that doesn't work for like, why would I upkeep that town if no one's gonna use it? You know what I'm saying? Like, kind of goes back exactly. to our earlier point. Um, so I think Amazon Game Studios made a mistake by not making it so that way. Um, tax revenue was shared because it makes the most sense i mean mm -hmm. for longevity of a server because right now this will get us into the next part um dead servers already happening i came from a dead server you came from a dead server so give me give me the insight for anybody who's listening at home who doesn't know anything about new world tell the story of tritonis because it's a good fucking story it's a good story <laughs> the story of tritonis the story oh, yeah. of tritonis okay Okay, so we get there and there's a huge green faction that we were joined up with as part of uh, uh, the Tritona server called Validus. They're a big uh, long-standing MMO group uh, of players. And uh, yeah, we thought everything was going pretty good. First two weeks, we were dominating some territories, owning, owning like three territories. Uh, we had three different companies going um two full companies and then the third one with like maybe 50 people in it maybe more and uh it was really good and uh the other major competition on our server was some streamers and there was uh smashly she's a pretty well-known twitch streamer she was running a big purple faction um there was also josh og on our server and he was running a fellow green uh, faction company and he owns some territories and uh who else was there oh yeah so then we come to yellow covenant now covenant was very quiet for the first two weeks we uh -oh. didn't really see much of them and uh then all of a sudden they all they owned was first light and then another yellow com company owned reekwater but who, who wants Reekwater? Right? Nobody. Nobody wants no. Reekwater. Especially early game, because um, you, can, you can't yeah. even run the PvP missions. Who cares? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we, we weren't really concerned about them first two weeks, but then week three started, and we started seeing more and more level 60 yellows running around all in the high-level areas. We're like, oh, wow, yellow's starting to establish a presence. And I noticed them. I'm like, man, these guys are starting to multiply. And then all of a sudden, we see groups of like 30, 40 yellows all decked out in like high level gear and level 60s running around doing missions in the high level areas together and, and causing a ruckus in pv open world pvp 
And I'm like, hmm, this is kind of concerning. These guys are looking like they're getting organized. Yeah. And then, and then uh, they started to declare war on things. First war, we we defeated them pretty easily because obviously cannons were a big thing at the very beginning. Cannons just demolished people. Yeah. People weren't very geared out very well to handle the the damage output of cannons. But then beginning i would say middle week three beginning of week four they took over brightwood from josh og's group okay and then that was the beginning of the end because (laughs) they started to dominate every war and the fact that we found out that they were exploiting all of a few of the key open world bosses that could instantly respawn when you're not supposed to be able to instantly respawn them. And they were able to farm gear so much faster than any of us. And they had way higher gear score items and, and better items overall. And they were able to just sit on points and not move. We couldn't move them off of the points. Mm, Damn. And then factor into the fact that there was the invulnerability glitch and the lagging and everything else they took advantage of every exploit possible that they could to win territory and and win wars and take over the middle of the map they basically took over the whole middle sections of the map and they just sat on them and they were super toxic for the most part and uh, just kind of killed the morale of the whole server like Smashley's group left, and then shortly after that, we had a bunch of uh, on-site um, fa- uh, company called Onsite that were a bunch of streamers from uh, the GTA RP server, uh, No Pixel. Uh-huh. They left and went to another server, and uh, yeah, just people started to bleed from the from the server and, and leave one after the other, and it just killed the population. And then the other part factor of that is that our server was so populated at the beginning and so busy that they decided to lock our server. No new characters were allowed to be created on our server. And they didn't unlock our server until after people had already server transferred away. Right. So it was a little too late at that point. Yeah. To recover. And that's weird too, because it's not like you're the first... I mean, it happened on our server too, which is kind of wild. I mean, it's something, it's a similar situation. Um, but unfortunately, it wasn't like I was fighting against them. In fact, on my server, I was green and it was the green faction doing the same thing. But it wasn't the faction. It was, it turned into like this big political game where we had this one company, they should not be named. Um, Originally, in the beginning, it was a good even match of against purple versus green. Yellow was kind of non-existent, and we were actually, in the beginning, trying to help yellow uh, get some territories and get some stuff going. And then that slowly turned into where, like, oh, fuck yellow, they're not doing what they want to do. They, you know, they, I kind of, like, kind of listened to this one person who ended up being this this mess. And... Hmm. It, Again, don't want to give them the uh, satisfaction, so we're not going to name them. Um, so what ended up happening is Purple is giving a really good fight for a long time, and then this other company decided that it would be a good idea to conquer everything. And obviously, in a game like this, if you're already 
bleeding members. Like, so for example, like our yellow faction, our covenant, we had one group that were really just trying to like get stuff together on yellow, trying to get stuff moving. Um, mm -hmm. They basically got their, when they're, they were only on first light and when first light got taken, that basically that all died. Like they just didn't push anything. They didn't try to push anything. There was no more open world PVP. Most of them probably left. So then it came down to green mm -hmm. versus purple. And for some reason, something happened with this one company where they just decided, like, yeah, fuck it, we're just gonna take everything. And of course, it came down to like there was reports of exploiting. They were super toxic, super fucking toxic, like beyond beyond mm -hmm. a doubt toxic to everybody. I mean, it was. I don't even want to repeat. It was crazy. Um, and by time. Like we tried to mount a defense, even as green, we were like, okay, let's talk to the other green companies, let's talk to purple, let's see what we can do to help. Like, can we embargo them? Like, we were trying everything, but at that point, it was just bleeding too many members to the point where it went from uh, twelve hundred active to eight hundred active in two weeks to now it's under, I think it's around a hundred. I mean, it literally died yeah. in like the span of three weeks to the point where they took everything, and then even that company left. Like, they literally just took everything, and they're like, all right, fuck it, we're out of here. And they left, too. They pushed right. everybody off the server. The worst part, too, is that there's going to be companies like that. But the weird part, I guess the whole reason we I wanted us to tell these stories is because this is probably the first MMO I've played where there's not... there's They, they, they didn't plan for this. They didn't plan for servers to die, at least yeah. this quickly. I mean, it's only been out for a month and a half. It came out September, what, 22nd or 23rd? And it's uh, November 11th right now. I mean, it's not been a long time. Yeah. And it's weird to see, like, have you seen a game where servers die this quickly? Or at least, like, for, I mean, it seems like political reasons more than anything. Like, it's a weird reason yeah. for a game to die, or at least a server to die. You know what this interesting thing I just thought of that came to the top of my head is, like, I think some companies that are like that take a certain pleasure out of, like, killing a server. Oh, 100%. Being able to dominate the whole server and, like take it to a point where they basically push everyone off and it's sort of like a badge of honor for them and then they move on to the next server and see if they can do it again yeah you know what i mean it's That's just that toxicity bro yeah type of type of toxic gamer that they are they want to see how much they can push other people around see if they can they can bully basically be the biggest bully in the schoolyard type of thing you know yep 100 percent. so interesting update about the company that shall not be named from our server uh they moved on to another server which has a big population and a big strong pvp uh, presence mm -hmm. and they have lost like four wars in a row against P uh, companies on that server they haven't been able to claim any territory at all on that server yet which they, server basically, uh eden eden okay that's they one of the top ones too in the mouth. I was looking at the name. Uh, that's number five on the six on the list of. It's got two thousand players right now. It's a that's a busy server. Yeah. yeah. So there's some top companies on that server in New World, and they they've been able to show these other guys that were on our server what uh, what war is all about. I guess I was I was talking to one guy um, in his stream from Eden. And he was like, yeah, they haven't been able to establish much yet here on the on our server. We, we've basically uh, humbled them. Mm. So, yeah, it's that's kinda, that's kinda nice. I mean, that's the thing is like I would love to see. Um, 
I think it's good. So there's a couple things I think it's it's kind of like a, a big thing. Uh, uh, Jack was saying in chat too, the PTR. We're going to talk about the PTR in a bit because there's definitely some cool things uh, going on. And actually, two Celtic clowns are in chat. They're saying that Final Fantasy XIV, when it first came out, mm -hmm. died quick as shit. But yes, even the, I remember that. Even the developers are like, this is a shit game. <laughs> like, let's redo it. <laughs> like, they redid it from yeah. the ground up, dude. Um, and uh, Dahlia said, uh, let's see, put a ton of servers in, and now the new ones, uh, the newness wore off, and there's a lot of dead servers. I mean, that's true, too. Uh, it's a lot going on. Yo, Seth FPS with the fucking host. <laughs> what is up, Seth? The party of 11, dudes. We're talking about New World. You guys just showed up at the right time. What's going on, man? Welcome to the stream, my guys. If you guys are listening at home, uh, uh, one of our buddies, Mr. Seth FPS, he's also been on the podcast before. Uh, make sure to go follow him, twitch.tv forward slash FPS. Uh, what's going on, New World? We're talking about it, bro. Connor, what's up, Connor? How's it going, man? Um, you just showed up at the right time. We're just jumping into like the good, the juicy details of New World right now and some of the goodies. Um, Yo, Dangerous, what's going on, man? Um, Seth, you'd be happy to know the podcast has reached over 2,000 listens and now 200 listeners worldwide. So we are we're moving up. It's been a year. We're, we're moving up in the world finally, man. Let's go, right? It's kind of going places, which is awesome. But um, uh, we were just talking about how some of the servers are dying in New World to catch everybody up who just joined us right now. Um, one of the interesting facts is that I feel like Final Fantasy XIV, for example, was kind of dead on in Rival, and they had to fix it. But this game came out very fully fleshed, and they actually had to add servers. I don't think they were realizing that they were going to bleed so many players so early. Now, my working understanding, I think it's a culmination of a couple things. I think that the leveling is not the greatest, so that's a deterrent to casual players. The toxicity of some servers, because we know it can be toxic as shit. Like, nobody wants to get on and deal with that constantly. So that's a big thing. A lot of people don't want to do that. Um, and on top of that, um, I feel like if you're not able to get into PvP, it kind of like, especially wars and stuff, that, that was a deterrent for a lot of people. Hey, Dangerous, appreciate that follow, man. Uh, guys, do me a favor. Follow Mr. Deadly Dad Gaming, man. He's the, the New World Guru. We're having a little debate today. So <laughs> shoot him a follow, my people. Uh, Deadly's hoodie and chair makes it look like his head is floating. His head is floating. You didn't know that? His head's floating. That's how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think is causing this decline in viewership? Like, or the decline in the gameplay? We talked a little bit about the podcast, but I'll just explain yeah. the position for, for everybody else, man. Um, I think obviously beginning of a game comes out everyone's it's the new new thing on the block everyone's hyped about it everyone all the casuals every type of gamer all their friends are telling them hey new world get this game play it play it play it so everyone plays it everyone tries it of course there's a huge population um but then after you know two three weeks the people who are just sort of casual players kind of stop playing every day you know the other games come out other things to happen in their lives they're not logging in every day you see those daily concurrent numbers drop off right um because the players gaming schedules change like it's not not everyone's gonna be hardcore eight hours a day every day type true of true um so i think uh, other things like you know the the poor server layout rollout that really hurt yeah this game a lot at the beginning no no doubt 
like the fact that they can only allow 2000 players on a server at any one time is a kind of a low population for a big game like this they're going to definitely need to work it out so that they can have two like 3000 4000 players on a server to to really make this game feel alive because as the game they're planning to expand and add new territories as you add new territories and you still only have 2000 players max capacity the world's going to feel really thinned out if you're only having that many players on on a single server and and the the territories like expand out further yeah you're going to see less and less Ooh. people in each zone you know i didn't think so, about that especially yeah. like oh so it's kind of like the wow effect so for example in wow when the first game came out it felt very the whole world felt alive because there was a good mixture of lower level and higher level players and then towards the end game it was mostly higher level staying in orgrimmar stormwind or going out to do like the larger content right and it caused this this problem um where like starting zones it became very hard to run earlier content that same thing is happening now in new world just very quickly where there's a yeah. lot of newer players that are coming in that can't really run the lower content unless they have like a level 60 or a higher level run them through it um so it kind of makes it makes it hard yeah for sure the other thing with that with this game is i don't know if the devs thought about it they only allow one uh, character per server so you can't have um like a dummy like a you know like a alt character like one basically. healer one tank yeah. or something yeah yeah it's really none there's so none of that a lot of a lot of players in other mmos used to make a secondary character just to level up on the side on the same server and they then they could run that character through content with other people lower that are lower level you know and help them out but now it's just like no, you just if you want to help somebody, you gotta help them out on your main character, be level yeah. sixty and power level them through everything. Right, but, and that's the hard part. You you put yeah. up a great point though. Like, what happens to the lower levels? What happens to casual gamers who come to a new server, want to play, but they can't run the older content? Because let's say there's three new territories that open up, everybody's gonna be in the end game territories, and probably there's gonna be an end game town. That's going to become the new end game trading hub and all the older stuff's going to go straight to shit <laughs> like really yeah. quickly, man. Like, um, I think that's yeah, a great you point. You have to hook up with a company and, and get in with somebody that'll show you the, the way and give you a little bit of help, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that's the other side of it too. Like what happened? I remember in the first couple of weeks of the game, a lot of people wanted to get into wars, but if you weren't part of a company pushing territories, you literally, just didn't do one of the biggest pieces of the content available which was wars because you didn't have outpost rushes until 60 and even now right. that's starting to catch up now which is great but the wars and open world pvp was really where it was at in the beginning Bruh. of the game like for a long time and the weird mm -hmm. part for me is like why why would they a why would they create a game where it's end game focused so heavily where there's not so much to do in the interim i think they in the ptr they're adding like new quest lines new new uh new types of quests new things to do to help you level they're finally addressing it a little bit but still yeah. it's a very end game focused pvp focused game and why would you time gate for casual players some of the main stuff like it just seems like an odd choice like what do you think was going on when they they made that 
Yeah, that's an interesting choice for that they went with such a I don't know, like you said, a hand game heavy, but uh, I th I think they kind of were rushed because I don't know if everyone knows the history of the development of this game, but um, this game was supposed to be PvP only when it was first like thought of and developed. Yeah, and then they added in PvE stuff a year and a half ago they started developing pve stuff because everyone was saying no we don't want just pvp we want pve as well right so i think i think they scrambled pretty hard to you know sort of rotate to over to pvp pve stuff and and develop that side of the content and they did add in the, the early dungeons which is nice like the level 25 dungeon yep everyone overlooks that dungeon but man that dungeon is a gold mine you run that thing even if you're level 60 and you come out of there with like three 4k gold sometimes because you got so many gems and other things you can sell yeah um especially the gems because those those uh expeditions have tons of gems from the chests and uh oh i didn't even think you, about that you you if you're a stone cutter that's that's your gold mine right there cut, cut all those pristine gems or fuse them up to pristine level and uh and cut them and sell them yeah so, hey guys so there's your there's your little money making tip of the uh podcast make sure to go run uh our mine a bunch of times in a row man talk to barkamedes get that gold <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> could be good um it's it's super interesting too because i i find it's weird for example um how they made an mmo but they didn't take like other things from other mmos i think for example if we're talking dungeons i think final fantasy 14 does it the best it doesn't matter what level you are it'll just downscale you to that level to keep the content interesting and allows new players to always find new members to play with so i find mm -hmm. two things very weird in in uh new world number one there's no matchmake queuing for a dungeon which good or bad is not it's not terrible but they're gonna have i foresee they're gonna have to update something in the future because they don't want this content they spent a year and a half making to just die off and they don't want to lose these newer players potentially coming in for except like for example new players will come in for expansions or big changes or new streamers going in playing the game like all that stuff will come into play and people will kind of jump into it um but I find they're going to have to find something as they add more content. They're going to have they can't let their old content die. So do you think they're going to take that route or do you think it's just going to be one of those things like, well, join a company and good luck? Like, yeah, the, 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 the one thing that I've noticed about Amazon is that they're really open to change, which mm. is a good thing, I think, because uh, they've been listening to a lot of players on the forums, taking a lot of feedback and and uh really addressing things pretty quickly like i've never seen a company like this uh patch their game weekly with very significant patches yeah like not to... and even even though some of the early updates they did introduce new bugs they were quick to squash those bugs as well yeah you know? like uh, it's pretty impressive what they've done so far in the first month and a bit here I will um, so say I they definitely did a great job with their bug catching, for example, in World of Warcraft. People always put World of Warcraft like 
classic as like on a pedestal, but there were so many bugs in that game. And it took them months to figure out some of this sh- months, literal months to figure some of this shit out and, and work on balance yeah. changes. Um, even right now with uh, Shadowlands, uh, a new a new class balance takes six months on average for a class and weapon balance. Six months. Yeah. And in this game, they're like, yeah, every month we'll figure it out. We'll see how we get them tuned up, man. That's kind of wild. So I'm actually going to pull up um, the public test realm. I think it's a good idea because I love the fact they're coming out with a PTR. This is so mm-hmm. good for the game because it allows people to continue to try new shit, get an idea of what's coming down the pipeline. So people who are really into the game can start building stuff t- for the PTR, like when it does release. And on top of that, it just it just helps with the testing, so it comes out less buggy. So let me switch over here. Um, for sure. So this is the announcing the new public test realm. One of the big things I want to get your just your off the cuff opinion. Void Gauntlet. What do you think, man? Oh man, I'm all about it. I I I'm waiting for that to come out. I think it'd be decent for a tank build as well. You think not so? Just healers, okay. Not just healers. I think if you have a tank that can also, you know, it, um lay down some CC with the void gauntlet, that's that's awesome. Yeah. You can definitely control a fight, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, Ooh, I didn't even think I, about that because it's a so they they're classifying as a magical DPS support hybrid. So it's the first weapon to scale on both intelligence and focus, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently it does. Uh, so the annihilation tree focuses on maximizing damage at close range uh, and focuses on that void blade. Um, and then the decay tree offers healing and debuffs. And with an orb of decay, it's a dual phase projectile that can debuff enemies and heal allies, which I like that one for tanking because then the, yeah. the debuff ability, you come, you come as a strong support, plus you get to do a little bit of damage, debuff all the characters. I'm guessing exactly. I, I haven't tested it yet. Have you tested anything on the PCR yet? No, I haven't been able to get on there yet. Neither. Yesterday, um, it wasn't working for me properly, so I, I'm going to maybe try it later tonight Yeah. and see what I can do. Um, but yeah, that that's, uh, really interests me a lot because not only are you going to be tanking your control like uh, the fight that way, but you debuff your opponents so that the DPS guys can come in and help you and, and take take out whatever like take down whatever is is attacking you oh yeah and uh yeah i think it'd be awesome because really the i mean the healers have a pretty tough job already trying to keep everyone alive uh how how much time do they have to do debuffing and all the other stuff you know absolutely um, but also I, I i do think that ice gauntlet users are going to look to use the void gauntlet and pair those two together Ooh, really well yeah like a debuff uh, plus a slow yeah. and uh or even a voice so i've been working on this crazy build where i've been doing it's an intelligence it's an intelligence it's an intelligence fire staff tank build which is super mm. interesting because you can do fireball it's fireball the blazing path and then it's that um what's the one the the roundabout one whatever that one is so i saw a video on reddit like a month and a half ago and i was like hmm like the dps burst ability is insanity because not only to get the tankiness so if they have projectiles or they have like they're a mage you can put your shield up and block their attacks from long range Mm -hmm. literally just march towards them and then you just basically 
rush your ass in, hit him with the circle, <laughs> switch, shield bash him, go back, fireball them, and then you just start stabbing. And you just rinse and yeah. repeat. It just like it's a nasty combo, but the problem is the gear required is fucking insane. Oh, so yeah. I can replay I'm already the second I heard about the Void Blade, I was like, "That, that's it. I'm going Void Blade Destruction, Void Blade with the tank build, um, which is going to be dirty. Because I feel like in a, in a war scenario, if they have good AoE, you can AoE tank shield up onto a point. Or if it's time to go attack backline, Void over, debuff shield bash in a debuff and let your dps just come on in man like it's a really sure. strong i think void blade is going to be so paramount in pvp because you're yeah. already taking damage but say you have ruinous build and you take 100 percent less dps damage from cannons you get a void blade debuff on you all of a sudden all that damage is like gone like you can just do normal damage like this is going to be a it's going to be i think it's going to be crazy good i think personally it's it's definitely going to open up, open up a lot more um, strategy for PvP, for sure. Yeah. Um, and and uh, it's going to co combat the overpoweredness of all the healers. Like, right now, healing is the class. Right. So I think this is going to bring balance to, to all, uh, PvP in general. Having a true debuff class, which is going to be awesome for the game. Right. I think. I hope, man. But It'd yeah, be nice. I was thinking that myself. I'm like, there's no real debuff slash enfeebling class in this game right mm -mm. now. So, yeah, Void Gauntlet is definitely the missing piece. The only one that's um, enfeeblement or there's a rend build you can do with a hammer. That's about mm -hmm. it. Where you can do, uh, yeah. was that the, the, the three smash and everything that hits it gets a rend. And that yeah. does great because you they take more damage. So that's the only true debuff. Imagine a hammer build with that plus a void blade debuff. You'd hammer, basically void blade, yeah. You'd be able to rend, slow, and feeble all at once with like two swings. Yeah, that would be pretty dope. That'd be dirty, I'd, yeah. I'd like to test that out, actually. Yeah. What's some I, of your favorite builds, more. man? My my current build that I'm running right now is actually hammer hatchet. Okay. So I do this. I do the, all the stuns and slows, and then the rend with the hammer, and then I swap over to the hatchet and I go berserk mode and just tear everybody apart. Okay. Are you like you're a big PvPer then, huh? Uh, we've been playing some Outpost Rush. Yeah. We've okay. Been trying to get get our uh, our uh, hands dirty a little in there, you know. Yeah. How's your uh? How, how is that running for you on that build? It's pretty good. It, the problem is right now is that Ice Gauntlet Fire Mage is just so OP and it's it hard is. to to keep uh, up with them. And but if you get in close on them and they slip up, they they let you get close. It's game over. Yeah, man. Because they're, they're wearing usually medium or light armor and uh, they can't they can't stop me. Yeah, that's usually my. That's why I made my build because it's the, it's the mage counter. Because if I have the shield up, they can't throw a fireball. They can't hit me with none of that shit. It doesn't it doesn't yeah. work. It it mitigates it all. So if I I'll just slowly trudge my ass on over there, and then all of a sudden I switch to to fire staff, and I'm in their face zooming them. Like they don't have a chance. Yeah, you know, that's the whole point. Yeah. I built that thing for outpost rush. Um, 
I think the PTR is great. I think that they, they needed something to test new content instead of releasing it. I think they figured out like, hey, we can't just release this shit. I thought the funniest bug was the second they fixed gold duping. And then that came out. I remember Randall, I was using uh, um, Great Axe at the time. And then um, I just remember like, why do I have 30% speed boost and 15% damage? That's here forever. Like I would die and come back, but like, I still have it. Yeah. What's happening here? <laughs> so that was it. That was a glorious weekend in yeah, New World. It was, man. I was uh, zooming all over the map. I, I had it too with Berserk sometimes. You could sometimes glitch out Berserk and yeah. where it would just stay constantly. I'm like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> it was awesome, man. I remember um, I was running uh, to try and get my faction gear because I was a fresh 60. So it was great, dude, because I uh, was just able to run Reekwater missions over and over and over yeah. again. Ooh, Doomin. Yeah. Doomin just lost all his coins. Oof. Mm. Doomin. Oh boy. Doomin. Oof, my guy. Oof, Doesn't my guy. pay to gamble, kids. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, one of the big reasons to have you on the podcast is, like, I, um, I don't know about the longevity of the game. Um, it's, it's... It's disconcerting to say the least for me. So I'm going to bring up some stats here real quick. So I, I kind of talked about, I don't want to be a dead horse from last week because a lot of people are coming in and we're talking about New World from last week too. So that podcast is now available uh, everywhere. So if you guys listen to it, if you haven't, go back and listen to it. But last week to summarize, we talked about how the the game went from 900 at its peak to 200,000 people. So it literally went... Like, I would say it went from, what, it lost two-thirds, right? Two-thirds. Um, now, we can see here, if we go back to the charts, right now, it's 157,000 right now, currently. So, it's still around the 150, 200,000. Um, and I agree with your earlier statements. I think that there's always a big hype train, and then it kind of goes down. And then people come back for an expansion, and kind of goes down. My main concern is that I don't feel like it had enough of a strong player base in the beginning to warrant a two-thirds loss. That's that's my main point. It's not I agree with you that a game gets hype and then it goes down. My main concern yeah. is like it didn't have that it didn't have that two million push. You know, it didn't have the, mm. the World of Warcraft 2 million push. It didn't have the Guild Wars had 1.5 million. It didn't have Destiny had 2 million. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it didn't have, like, it yeah, had 900,000, sure. and then now we're two-thirds down. It just seems like it's, like, Here's the, Here's you know. a comparison that I think might be similar. Um, like, when Destiny 2 first released, there, a lot of people didn't like the um release of destiny 2 yeah and then a year later when they released forsaken a huge portion of the population came back and started playing consistently again and so i think maybe new world can do that as long as they keep developing and adding content to the game like they're they're doing with all these updates and and smoothing the rough edges but uh, to me, I look at the numbers and I interpret them a little differently. Mm -hmm. They're showing on the Steam charts concurrent player base. 
that is playing at any one time. That doesn't take into account the amount of unique players that are playing over a week period. Mm -hmm. So you're not getting the same people logging in every day. Every day, the population is fluctuating. You'll have some people that play on Tuesday, but then they won't play the next day or the next day, and then they'll come back and play again on Friday. I think the player base is just kind of slowing down to a more natural rhythm of how gamers actually play games. You know, they're not going to be playing for eight hours every day of the week sort of thing. Um, so I, I think the actual player loss is maybe one third. I think you're still you're still seeing some, if they actually release the numbers, you're, you'd probably still see 500,000 unique player logins every week, but they don't release those those numbers. So it's hard to it's hard to tell what the actual population is. Yeah, you know what I mean, I think just I think I'd give it to you that maybe the data is skewed. But if we take into account, if we take into account that there's dead servers and we take into account all of the bugs and we take into account how we've seen some servers just go down in, in general. So like I'm I'm basing yeah. it off of worlds. So if we go off the player worlds, I mean it drops heavily from. Uh, let's say there's only what is this one? There's about 15 servers over a thousand players, and yeah. so anything, I would say anything under 700 people uh, on a server would be considered a healthy server. Um, 700 mm -hmm. seems to be like okay. After that, it starts yeah. feeling a little dead because the world is pretty big, especially with no mounts. Like it feel it's a pretty yeah. decent sized world. So 700 people is okay if we look at under 700 it's it's literally like a ninth of all the servers are under 700 there's yeah. one server that's got 24 people on right now with that i think <laughs> there's like a shit. combination there's a combination of problems there is like at the like we were talking about earlier at the release of new world they created way too many servers they shouldn't have made that many servers open for people to join because you're naturally going to see players drop off and those those servers are ended up going to end up dying and then the people who are smart are going to transfer off of that server to somewhere else that that's a bigger more populated server yeah and so the we're seeing the natural player tendency of whoever is still playing this game is smart enough to be like Hey, I gotta get off this server and go to a server that's more populated so that I can actually play the game and enjoy it with other people. Because this game is totally built around playing with other people. Um, hmm. Which also, when we were talking about matchmaking earlier, I don't, I don't think matchmaking totally solves all the problems. This this game, like you, you want to play with players that you know and that you trust. Um, for the most part, because if you're ma match made with random people into a dungeon or whatever, where it takes a little bit of skill to actually complete, you could get in the worst situation possible and be in a totally unorganized group and be grinding in a dungeon for like five, six hours trying to complete it, yeah. which happened to one of our company members, by the way, because yeah. he decided he decided to just go with a random pug group and he, he got stuck in there for like five hours trying to beat the dungeon um but yeah i i think matchmaking is not the way really i think it just they they have 
they have the faction chat they have the recruitment chat i think just maybe having a better maybe a system where you can sign up for certain things in game and and group with other players but not totally like forced matchmaking yeah I do love in New World, it's very community driven. Like once you're on a server long enough, you know people. Like you know of people, you know about people, you know about the companies, you know which companies you like, you know which companies you don't like, yeah. you know who to who to play with, who to avoid. You kind of make those connections. I do love that about the game. It's very World of Warcraft classic, early Guild Wars 2 style. Very, very much the same feeling mm-hmm. because um you know, World of Warcraft, the one thing I hate about World of Warcraft, though, is like, say you wanted to run um, Blackrock, you know, something. You had to find a group, and they're all across the world, it take them two fucking hours to get there, and they finally get there, and then one asshole has to leave halfway through, and then you have to find another person. Like, it was, <laughs> it made it yeah. so hard. But once you completed it, there was, like, New World does a great job of, like, when you complete something, you feel, like, accomplished, because you found the people, you found your friends, you found the people you like, and you start playing with them more, and you create your friends list, and it's kind of, like, yeah. it's kind of part of the game. It really is, like, a good part of the game. Um, I think one thing that if there's no matchmaking, then the next thing they would have to add is they're going to have to make hard modes or something with the dungeons. They're going to have to do something with the... Why? Like, maybe if you're level 60 and you run that dungeon, you get bonus gold or bonus something. This would, like, incentivize to help lower players. I think that's my big concern is, like, with the health of the game, there has to be something to help lower level players other than just goodwill. Because let's be honest, like, would you rather run a dungeon for three hours or would you rather do a chest farm for three hours at level 60? But if there's availability to get some decent gear at level 60, running those missions with lower levels, like maybe a requirement, it has to be like a lower level, like a couple lower levels have to be there. Something they can implement something or like um, how Final Fantasy 14, they have something called the mentor program that allows people who are been playing the game for a long time can play with these mentees and they get bonuses by playing with people who are being mentored in the game which is great because it like you know you can you get bonuses as a high level player you get the go bonus gold bonus xp bonus everything bonus gear and then the person who needs the help needs the, they're new they need the fucking help so it's like it's a win-win scenario they need something similar uh because i i foresee in a couple weeks it's gonna be not a lot of newer players still playing because they can't get into, again they can't get into wars they can't do outpost rush they can't find groups to run lower level dungeons so they're stuck just doing the missions and let's be honest Leveling in this game is dog shit right now. It's literally town mm-hmm. board missions, faction missions. This is it. We're crafting. That's well. That's it. The other things is um, if you if you get your faction missions to a certain point, they will give you bonus missions for the the dungeons, which give you a huge uh, bump in XP. Mm-hmm. I don't know if everyone realized that, but you you have to run through a certain amount of faction missions to get access to those raid missions they call them mm-hmm. and uh they give you quest uh, like faction quests to complete when you go into the dungeons um which are a little bit higher xp bonus but uh yeah it is pretty dog 
dog shit, as you said. It is, um, man. It's like it's a slog for sure. Especially 45 to 60 is a slog, but most people, I would say, in any MMO, it's mostly casual people playing any MMO. Every MMO I've played in my entire life, that's always how it's been. 70% mm -hmm. of the population are casual. So if you're not and making you need those players, 100%. You, they need to, they keep the markets moving they keep lower content continue to be played they they help lower players they create an environment for people to keep playing with other casuals like it's important and i think in this game one of the main reasons they're bleeding members is because just like jack said in chat like he stopped playing because he just couldn't find groups to play with anybody because people mm -hmm. are out of his level and of course people who are higher level yeah it's you know you get to a point where you can help lower levels but you got to get there yourself so you got you know it's like a um yeah like being on a flight they always say put your oxygen uh, oxygen mask on first same thing in an mmo like you need to get to a point where you can help lower levels more um i think it'd be smart of ags if you're listening amazon game hmm. studios all right you should be if you are listening um Creating an environment for lower level players is going to help the longevity of the game and create more 60s who can do more content in the future. If you stifle it too much in the beginning and create too much of a mountain, people you're you're expecting people to climb it and they fucking won't. <laughs> people just want to get off from yeah. work, play, clear some dungeons, have some fun. And if you time gate all of their content, they won't play. It just is what it is. Yeah. I mean Definitely. It just is what it is, man. Do you think that they were going to allow... Um, what do you think would be like the biggest change you would want to see like with the next couple weeks? Like, What would be the biggest change Amazon Game Studios should focus on? Oh, that's a big question. It's a big one. Um, yeah, I think if they... If they make it uh, so that it's more from new... like excuse the expression but noob friendly mm -hmm. um i think they should maybe implement some sort of exp bonus for um certain thresholds in the in the leveling experience like okay. say because i i know when i hit when i hit like 35 that was a huge uh lull right there like going from 35 to 40 was a grind but then yeah. after you hit 40 because you can do the main story missions again it kind of picks up um so yeah the bonus xp um from some sort of mission sets or something that you special mission sets that you can complete would be awesome for yeah. newer players yeah and uh, reinvigorate the player base because you need to keep the lower level players motivated to keep uh going through the levels you know like so they they actually feel like they can get to that end game they, that's the carrot on the stick right everyone wants to get to the end game but if uh, if the the trip or journey is too hard to get there, they're just gonna give up. Yeah. And before they even get a chance to experience it. Yeah. No, I agree with that, man. And I think uh, my biggest thing I'd like to see them do is really start focusing on the mega server, the world set. I, there needs to be some kind of cross playability. It doesn't necessarily. I don't know how they're gonna do it. Quite honestly, I'm not entirely mm. sure how they're gonna do it, man, because. We, if, we were just discussing something, sorry, you go ahead. Uh, last night related to that, um, sort of similar. For Outpost Rush, the queues late at night or like even midday are like non-existent. So yeah. And you, you would think to getting 20 versus 20 
players for one match on one server would be easy, but it's not. So I think they need to implement a global or even a regional queuing system for Outpost Rush so that mm. you have those queues zooming. Like there should be games going nonstop. People should be queuing up and being like, yep, we're in a match, you know, because it's so fun to play those matches. Like Outpost Rush is amazing. It's a well, well-balanced game mode and pe more people need to play it. Yeah, honestly. I think they should have um okay I'll, I'll retract I think they need to have two two settings um number one I think there needs to be a um a PvP game mode like an arena one versus one that any level can do and it just standardizes your your attack so you could be a level 60 fighting a level five a level five won't have as many skills as you but it should be able to stand like if you wear heavy armor it gives you this much if you wear light armor it gives you this much you know what i'm saying like it just standardized it to make it mm. easier this would give the opportunity for lower levels to compete more in pvp i think it's it's a mm. big it's a big part of the game so why time gate to level 60 for like like you said one of the best one of the most fun things to do um like an, an arena like arena mode would be great um i also think for mega server wise i think if they bring servers together, the political nightmare that is going to happen is going to be hmm. wild. What's up, Yin? How's it going, man? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, what do you think that is going to happen? Good. Like, if you took three servers, and then how are they going to handle, like, the factions? It would be mayhem. It would be mayhem. I don't know if they could even do it. Like, honestly, it would probably kill their game. Yeah. If they had that many servers coming together and everyone fighting. I think um, it would. I don't, I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't it. think you want to do that. I don't think you would want to do that. So um, do you think that the the option is going to be the free character transfer and then pay for a character transfer if that happens? You just have to keep being a nomad almost? Um, well, the, this is this is the, an, another idea I had is for the territory control and the wars and all that stuff. Why not develop a seasonal system where you have three months to build up points for your faction or whatever and see how many territories you, your faction owns at the end of that three months and how many wars your faction has won overall and have some sort of rewards at the end of the season for the the factions based on where they placed in the in the territory wars you know like do something like that and then reset all the territories to nothing and then you start all over and, and fight from from nothing to to try and regain territories again Huh. That's an interesting concept, man. I had a similar concept, but it was going to be on a weekly or maybe bi-weekly where I still personally think on every server, I think that the starter zone should be split amongst the faction and it just stays that way. I mean, mm. like, I think Windsward could be green. I think uh, the bluff could be, you know, yellow or uh, and then uh first light could be purple and those like that little corner area you know like that's like the starter zones and green owns it and it's not owned by a house it's not it's just like it's a hometown for the faction mm -hmm. period and then you can kind of fight from there everything else is open you know everything else is free for people to take um fight at your yeah. will and then that way no faction gets pushed fully off of a server 
I feel like that kills, that is the start, that is the downfall. That is the start of the end, basically, for mm -hmm. any server. If, if one faction feels they can't grow, no one's going to jump over there to the losing team. And no one coming new to the server is going to want to join yellow if they're not even on the map. They'll, they just won't. Yeah. There's, there's no presence, so why would you do that? Um, and then it inevitably leads to a two-front war where it's just one faction versus another, and it usually ends up being one mega company versus another mega company because it's like i think this game is like i think this game was built by jeff bezos i think this is like the most capitalistic simulator game i've ever fucking played <laughs> yeah it really is you could be onto something there that, that could be it i think it is he's man. running he's running a psychological test of all his all his customers right now through Dude, this game because i mean in this in this game the companies would be literally he called them companies they're not even fucking guilds they're literally called yeah. companies and it's literally yeah. who could be the best company on a server like basically i bet you that was the first thing they determined in the very first meeting when they started building this game it was like nope they're called companies <laughs> yeah, exactly jeff was like fuck that they're called companies that's it <laughs> but i mean let's let's put it in perspective the motive of the game is to create a company, get as many members who are really skilled into your company, then you go take over other companies' territories and get their tax revenue, aka more income, like a company, <laughs> and then your yep. goal is to basically own the whole server, aka take over the world, like a company, as a company. It just, you know, I'm just saying, it's like, it's a little sus, Bezos. It's a little sus, Bezos. Yeah. Uh, just, did you create this game in your basement? Is this like what you, your rise to the top was like? Like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> um, but... To, to combat some of those big problems, I think definitely having a home starter town for each faction is like, it should be mandatory. I think it's like, I'm a, I hard line that stuff, which is like, you know, I love the fact that on our server, it's very balanced. Everybody fights. Everybody is yeah. interested. Everybody tries to take territory. There's constant wars. There's constant stuff going on. Um, but the problem is eventually whether a new company comes in and starts to disrupt it. Like there's like, it's always like a very fine balance, but it's always fine. It's never so solid. But if there was always a place that you knew, if you joined yellow, you like, even if yellow's dead, you would be willing to jump over to yellow, knowing that there's at least a hometown that's like there. And like, you can mm -hmm. build, you can build from right. That you can start, start out from. Yeah. Right. You're never right. going to just lose. You're like, even if you're a new company, you come in and you have tax revenue that's coming into you and you know, it's coming to you. And you know that if your, your company comes in and starts using the resources within that town, you know, you're going to get more tax revenue. So it's like, you're getting a money break and it's like, so you get yeah. gold off the bats. Like you'd feel more comfortable. Like if, uh, Let's say on our server, purple takes over. Let's just say, let's say your company is like, you're Jeff Bezos and you guys start taking over the world, right? You're the new Amazon. Um, in my vision of AG in Amazon, the new world, like if green gets back down to one faction, at least all the green companies wouldn't feel like they had, they, they had a stepping stone. They had somewhere, right. but 
just just to rally and like regroup and Something. get back into the fight. Yeah, yeah they could put their somewhere they could put their that. items on. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean they have to have tier five crafting in all these places because that would invalidate. I mean, maybe it goes up to tier three only or something, and it's just a static right, tier right, three right. across the board or something like that, right? But that yeah. would um, right now that is player driven. That's the problem, and players that we've seen on two different servers now are assholes. <laughs> So, yeah, some... players can be unpredictable and, and be toxic. Yeah. Right. So, um, do you think there's any? How do you think about balancing? Like, what is your prerogative on balancing in the game? Like, politically, I, I like that idea a lot. Actually, I I would uh, agree with you. There should be starting territories that nobody can challenge and take over. That way, you always have a base to go back to. Um, the the other thing would be like uh, they I, I see what they were trying to accomplish with this game where they were trying to make it so that it was all player driven and that uh, whatever the players decided they wanted to do they could do but maybe there needs to be a few limitations you know mm -hmm. like the that that starting territory idea would be a good starting point forgive the a little pun. pun, little dad pun. Yeah, Is that what it yeah. <laughs> a little dad pun. <laughs> yeah, um, man. I think I think maybe also limiting the amount of wars you can you can start if you're already involved in in one war, you shouldn't be able to deck and declare war on another territory yeah. in the same day. You know. Yeah, the pacing of it should wars should be spaced out. Should be spaced out a little more. I agree, man. Do you think? This is gonna be controversial. Do you think that a faction should only be able to declare one war at a time? You know what? That's probably where we should get to eventually. Like, um, there should be more. You know what that would do to the game is that it would place more importance on that one war. Yeah, because there's the one, and everyone's looking forward to it. Everyone. The problem. The only problem with that is that it's fifty people. Yeah. Max. So you have a lot of politics again, where it's favoritism, whichever company is directing the war is going to pick whatever people they're favorites with, you know, to participate and be in the war. The one, the one good thing about syndicate here, where we, this new server that we've transferred to, um, they have a syndicate faction discord. It's very well organized. Every, every company that's in syndicate faction has a voice they have um a, a way for every company to to give their two cents um basically there's a war council uh, two two members are chosen from every company to be a part of the war council as long as you have a 30 member or over company in, on the server right so it's kind of neat that way they've really structured it really well in 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 the faction discord so that's good it's, it's impressive and there's a lot of good mature people leading it which is key that's key so, yeah i think yeah. you know that's the hard part too because if you're a new player you don't know what you're signing up for you don't know what you're going to get into we you know you didn't know it was going to happen on Shatona. it's just like we didn't know it was going to happen on anlang like it ended up just happening regardless regardless of how many people wanted to work together it was kind of like um it's like you can't fight the tide sometimes, you know? Um, yeah. One thing I love about our server is that that, is the, that seems to be the case. Like, 
Like when you fight a yellow person or or a purple person, I'm on obviously Marauders. Like there's no hard feelings. It's not like it's, there's no toxicity. It's like all right, good fight. You know what I'm saying? Like win lose doesn't matter. Everybody seems pretty pretty chill about that. Um, I mm -hmm. think I think war cycles though do like that's one thing that happened on our server on Endling. The war cycle, we the company that was pushing everything just kept they just beat down the purples. They just kept an unrealistic war cycle where they would win one war and they would go directly to put territory, push territory into another one, fight that war yeah. to the same thing, fight that war. To, and they just kept they just kept doing it every day and people have jobs and lives like can't be at every fucking war you know so mm -hmm. you know it just makes it like it, they they it's weird that players can turn this game into a job if they're assholes enough to just push everything all the time yeah, that's a weird that's... it seems like a weird design choice you know what i'm saying like for sure why would ags yeah. think that's a good idea <laughs> like you know like right i I, th I think just like uh, they're just like we're discovering how the game sort of flows and and works with the player base. I think the developers are kind of discovering how the player base is responding to their game and right. how everything's gonna you know work out. So uh, I think they're probably open to adjusting some of the mechanics of the game like that. Um, it'll just take time i think to iron out all the details i i, I would love to see like uh maybe a 24 not maybe that's too small maybe like a 36 to 72 hour period where it's open for declaring war on right. any territory you want you know so my initial idea was that monday through thursday is just like you re you rebuild you know that's like invasion times and that's like you have time to rebuild your defenses, right? Um, and upkeep and plan and deal, you know, talk to factions. And then I feel like, you know, Friday night or Friday through Sunday should just be wartime. Like that's your chance to go attack something. So it gives you a good amount of time throughout the week to craft mm. and do other things. Like not have to worry about war every single day. Like ain't nobody got time to fight wars at 5 p.m. on Tuesday. Like what the fuck? <laughs> like ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm like so I was like, complaining about that just this week at our in our faction Discord. I'm like, man, these wars at 5 p.m. they are no bueno. Yeah, I cannot man. attend wars at that time of the day. Yeah. I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I have family commitments and yeah. other things going on. Everybody does. So. Most people, the, the majority of people, especially casual players, they don't know the fuck they were thinking. Like, even allowing 5 p.m. to be a wartime, like, especially on the East Coast server, they know 5 p.m. people are just getting off work. Like, you know, come yeah. on. Come on. Um, Dinner hour and everything else. Like, right? Hey, I can't eat. Sorry, wartime. And the worst part, yeah. too, I want to talk about, like, with war scheduling. It's a nightmare, man. It's a fucking nightmare. Um, mm -hmm. So I saw this big Reddit post, and I don't know. I don't want to try and find it. It'll take forever. But basically, this guy was saying that there needs to be some tools in place for war planning. Um, because if anybody has not planned a war, or if you're interested in why it's such a pain in the ass and why discords are made for it, is because let me just walk you through it. Number one, you have to basically work with your alliances that you have to get people to sign up for the war then when you have the roster you have to get on early 
to set up the roster for war in the beginning and understand you have to know each person's level you have to know their gear you have to know their their builds you have to know what they can do and then you have to build the roster and then you have to have backups for the roster because sometimes people can't even get into the wars because of bugs or they don't get on on time and they can't get into the war so then you have to have these rosters this backup roster then you have to coordinate everybody into one single discord to talk to everybody and have an attack plan and then tell these ran sometimes randoms like here's the plan hope to god they fucking do it and then after <laughs> that like and then win or lose then you then you rinse and repeat and then you have to schedule the territory stuff so planning a war the war is 30 minutes long but the planning in execution is time intensive yeah. it's so intensive it's not easy bro like it's i wish there were some tools in place like if somebody signs up for a war i should know what their fucking weapons are and what the class they're playing like that should be like a standard thing like oh we need mages let me look at the war roster let's find some mages you know what i'm right. saying like it's crazy to me how it's there's nothing. There's I've no never, info. I've never been involved in the actual planning behind the scenes of the war, but I know from talking to leaders that do the planning and stuff, what the headaches that it is. I don't understand why they don't have the ability to inspect players in this game. Like when I first right. started playing, I'm like, how come I can't inspect people? See what gear they're using. See what see what uh you know their classes and stuff that that seems like a no-brainer it's a no-brainer right dude it's a no-brainer 100 yeah. percent. it doesn't make any sense because with war planning a 30-minute exercise now turns into a three-hour endeavor where you have to be on an hour and a half early so if a war starts at 5 p.m your ass better be on 3 30 to make sure that things are like going well and getting ready like doing what they're supposed to be doing which is crazy like yeah. that kind of commitment is like it's 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 insane man like um so yeah Duman said he was listening on the one day you got we were planning so literally you have to not only plan the attack you have to plan you have to plan what your your attack strategy is going to be then you have to find the right people to fit those roles and then you have to make sure you have backups for those roles just in case you don't get to do it um and on top of all of that then you have to make sure that you have the call outs are correct you have to make sure that the, the commands are correct as you're fighting the war there's just so much micro details that go into it and ags is yep. just making it harder there's i mean an inspect would be fucking fantastic like or just at least tell us what weapons they have like when they're signed up for war like just tell us like just tell us what they said what do they sign up with like the tell list, us yeah know? the like, list of players on uh, the right hand side that you have to choose from should be automatically sorted by what weapons and everything they're using 100 percent. like yeah. it's it's madness to me how they don't have that because how are you supposed to plan anything? And this is the problem. If you have a company like on my server that are just war hungry and they have a war roster, good on them. They have a war roster. If they're pushing territories and the fights are at 10, but they're 10 o'clock every night, you know, the other defenders cannot keep a war roster forever because not everybody can play every night. So this changes the roster yeah. every night, bro. So unless you're playing 12 hours a day and dedicated and have a, people who will play literally every day and do your bidding basically then you're really just <laughs> yeah. you're, you're basically just going to be shooting blanks all the time like you don't know you I, don't I know think this this is another issue of where having 
um, a bigger player base on each server is going to solve some of that stuff where people won't burn out as fast because they don't have to do every war. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I definitely got war fatigue. Like, dude, I'm telling you right now, when we were on Anlang, I've probably been a part of, I would say at least 15, 20 wars, and I helped plan a good portion. We actually have one person, shout out to Artemis, who's, uh, I don't know if she's in chat or not, but uh, she helps, she has, keeps all the rosters. She's like a wizard. She keeps the rosters and does all that. I do most of the calling. Um, and then Alistair and my group does most of the planning for the uh, attacks and the defense. He comes up with like a lot of good strategies. Yeah. Um, so we kind of have like this three prong thing where we make it work. Um, the hard part though is like without those pieces, good luck getting into war. And people, the worst part is people have, don't experience war, so they don't know what the fuck it takes. Like. So when people are like, ah, I'm, I never get into wars, it's like, bro, you don't understand. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. wild. Like, you know, it's so much. It goes into There's it for sure. So much. It's crazy. I, I the, think uh, Syndicate faction on on this server started using Airtable. I don't know if you've heard of that. To, what is to that? Organize. It's like an online web-based uh, type program, similar to Excel, but has more features to like organize people and uh, it's it was originally designed i think for like organizing um hmm. companies with employees and stuff and just grouping people together so yeah that's that, that looked it looks really cool like i've kind of looked through it huh. and uh it's got a lot of functionality to it and and organizational tools We've so been just using a straight up good old fashioned Google Excel spreadsheet and we just have everybody's yeah, names yeah. and we say, okay, we've got this many mages and this many, you know, we've just got to go yeah. old school with it because um, we're getting to the point where we're going to have um, a guaranteed roster of people that we know. Of course, like the cool parts too is like one thing I love about our server right now is we have this cool ass alliance, you know, like some people are diehard yellow or diehard purple but they're stupid everybody who plays the game plays the game it doesn't matter what faction you're on we exactly. can be we can be frenemies but the good thing is if we push yellow we can help each other which is fucking dope <laughs> like <laughs> that's a guaranteed war roster right there you know what i'm saying like yeah. um i do think this game like where do you think this game's gonna be in a year this is a big question because i think <clears throat> it's yeah, hard in to a year hard to say exactly but i picture um like we were talking about earlier master dungeons mm -hmm. so like a higher higher tier dungeon for all the dungeons that are out already um to have increased rewards um to higher difficulty on them maybe add some new mechanics uh, as well for different fights um but then expand into new territories like mm. uh we already know rumored about the burning sands that's pretty much a guarantee that that territory is coming out bigger bigger world like delaji saying yeah yep. with the level 70 possibly level increase i think 10 level increase is is good in a year yep a good progress for an mmo um more items basically people like loot people like new perks new perks and new abilities I'd love to see skill trees expand. Yep. Um, have your weapon mastery expand. Maybe add new weapon mastery quests where you have to do a, a huge quest to, you know, learn more about your 
your weapon and master it you know um that'd be kind of cool yep um uh yeah just like basically give us more to do uh there's rumors about having larger raids type dungeons where you're having like multiple parties in a dungeon together that would be kind of dope fighting yep. bigger bosses bigger bigger battles uh, i'd love to see bigger pve content yeah um, i agree yeah so. i agree with all those points i think one thing i would love to see too is um i would love to see more storyline um not yes not just some I, I want there to be some kind of storytelling mode like it feels like they just whipped something together and they did it very destiny one style where you have to like read shit yes. and they don't tell <laughs> yes. you anything it's like it's don't destiny one me bro like don't make me read right. all this i haven't even clicked i don't even know where you can find those you read them once and then they're gone here's, bro <laughs> here's the th here's what they need to do they need to add a world changing event where some big boss Maybe it's Isabella. Yeah, I don't know if everyone knows about some of the background uh, lore of this game, but Isabella is the main, like, corrupted baddie that mm -hmm. we know about. Um, and maybe she announces her presence and comes and does something to change the, the territories of New World. Um, that would be amazing. And then there'd be some sort of special event slash cutscene that happens with that that would that would be awesome they need some seasonal shit too like i was really depressed when they didn't do anything for um halloween except for some cash shop items i was like come on guys yeah like change the towns at least like go like maybe go find some pumpkins or something i don't know That's, do something yeah. like anything like any little thing like for christmas can we see some snow like on the houses or something like can we you know, if I if I have to buy a candy cane sword for whatever amount of money you want me to spend, like fuck off, like if you know, like don't, like let me or at least let me craft it, like let me do something cool, right. like you know, like let me. There is, I think, um, one thing I miss is like Final Fantasy fourteen, Guild Wars two, and now World of Warcraft kind of has it where they have just um, just like they call it in Final Fantasy a fate. In uh, it's like just a world event, just like you said, but it's like a rotating daily world event that allows you to do like, um, oh, the you know, right now their corrupted portals are their their world events where they pop up randomly and you have to go clear them. Well, it's not very right. fun after level sixty. Like, I don't know of anybody running any fucking cor like corrupted portals unless they just want to make sure there's no invasions that happen, and then it's a chore. <laughs> so, right. like, don't give me chores like oh cool there's a world boss that has spawned you know there's a sea captain who brought a fucking ship onto shore and he's in restless shore let's go beat his ass and you need 20 people because he's gonna yeah do a, you know like random random world boss spawns would be awesome something that would be awesome anything dude you know yeah christmas tree in, in the middle of each town exact dude exactly like there needs to be something more fun than just invasions there needs to just be more in-game world activities that cause changes to the scenery or something like one thing i loved about guild wars 2 is guild wars 2 had these the dragon fights do you ever do guild wars 2 unfortunately i did not get okay. into that bro okay so yeah. the dragon fights were on a timer and there was eight dragons and they were giant like they change the landscape big mm. and you would literally need every person you could muster to take them down i'm talking they 
giant and they had these giant like giant aoe attacks and like they would spawn enemies and you all had to just work together and try and clear them as much as you could but it gave you really good loot there doesn't yeah. necessarily need to be like an in-game boss like that but there does need to be some kind of like the skies have darkened over brightwood it's gotten mm -hmm. there's then that spawns more ghosts in the area and then you know one out of 50 ghosts might give you like a rare quest item or something you know like there needs to be something like give me more carrots that would be pretty dope you know yeah. what i'm saying like you know the the zombies have come back and restless shore and the spirits of the dead sailors have come back and they're cutting down all the fucking trees and they're building new ships like you know something kind of crazy you know i'm just spitballing Ooh. here but like speaking of ships do you think they'll ever add ships and naval combat into nope. this game? Nope. I don't think so. I don't think so, mm -hmm. man. I don't. I don't think they're gonna add mounts. I think the uh, people keep saying they're gonna add mounts. I don't think they are. I don't think they're going to. I think they like that it's it's very uh, controlled right now. Movement is very controlled. If you add mounts, it adds a whole other dynamic and shortens yeah. the game. I don't think you need mounts, honestly. That, in my opinion. But there's not enough water they, for ship battles, though. That's the thing. There's, like, streams. True. There's not enough water. But if they develop it, uh, the game to where the story or whatever type of story they bring into the game is for us to try and get off of the island or move to another island mm. that is better than this island. Maybe I've heard rumors where there's a second island. I don't know if that's ever going to come to fruition or not yeah um they could introduce ships for that i but. think if anything i would love to see underwater breathing and swimming so instead yes. of flight that would make more sense to me like some kind of underwater and then you can have underwater towns underwater a whole bunch of crazy shit underwater that would be more mm. fun to me because then there's an underwater race of uh enemies yeah Oh, it didn't have to be an underwater race. I mean, there's we're literally fighting ghosts when the the yeah. the dead, the what are they called, the drowned the or whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like they can literally just be shipwrecked people. We go to yeah. the shipwrecked underwater ghost town, basically. You know, like that would make more sense. And then, um, but naval fight would be fucking dope. Don't get me wrong. Like, can you imagine twenty mm -hmm. versus twenty naval fight? Like. Yeah. big like big ships not i don't want to do like little rafts i want to do like big no. old like 20 versus 20 ships like that would Pirate be so sweet dude yeah that'd be cool i don't know if they'll ever do it but that'd be so sweet if they did um yeah but in the interim i think um i think like there's there's um i think quest line is going to be crucial they need to do something about the storyline the quest line like give people a reason to keep getting back on like you said earlier 35 to 40 sucked sucked there's yeah. nothing to do it's literally just run dungeons run faction or town board and that's it good luck you know um that'd be sick though um if they added some kind of more storyline like and more cutscenes and more give me stuff they had one cutscene in the game it's right before you land or you get right. washed up that's the only cutscene in the whole fucking game yeah <laughs> that's it that sucks. i expected i expected something from the depths when i first went in there like some sort of story with thorpe and something whatnot. anything something 
Now go yeah. find the blue pages and good luck. I don't even know what they're called. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what they're called, man. I don't. <laughs> I barely the pick journal them up. pages. Yeah, I, don't know, like, I don't even know how to look up journals. Like I, have, I don't think I've read a single fucking one. I just see blue and I pick it up and that's it. <laughs> that's it, dude. Who knows if there is a story? And, I have no and idea. And I, I know they give you XP when you first pick them up. That's, that's yeah. the biggest bonus. That's it. And now oh. it's like there's no point. Like now, if you want to find all the story pieces why would you but okay sure go ahead like you know there's got to be yeah. like a historian on the internet somewhere who's playing it um uh there there is a couple of guys on youtube if you're really interested i could uh, show you send you their link okay but, uh, yeah send them out man because that'd be cool i'm kind of a youtube uh resource uh historian okay I, I scour youtube all the time it's one of my main pastimes while I'm while I'm at work is printing stuff and everything. Like, yeah, let's just scroll through YouTube for a bit. Yeah. And see what's happening here. Oh man, that's awesome, dude. Well, I think it's a good stopping point, my friend. We've been knocking it out, bro. I appreciate you being on, guys. And if you guys are still listening, man, do me a favor. Go to twitch.tv forward slash deadly dad gaming. And if you're in chat right now, I just linked it in chat here, people. Hit that deadly button. Go check them out. Go follow them. Um, my guy, man, where can people find you? Where do you stream? What do you do? Um, stream mainly on Twitch on uh, evenings after 9 p.m. I haven't streamed in the last couple of weeks lately just to, because I feel like a zombie half the time. It's fair. Last little while. But definitely going to start getting back onto a more regular schedule. Um, now that I'm level 60 and we're doing endgame things, a lot of fun stuff going on with the company. We're pushing towards getting to declare a war maybe sometime in the next week or so for, for us. So, yeah, exciting things. Yeah, happen. man. Awesome. Where, and do you have any socials they can find? socials twitter is deadly dad gaming uh youtube i haven't uploaded in a long time on there just because uh not really that big of a youtube uploader but it's deadly dad gaming uh, i have old apex content on there nice all right see the apex uh, skills um, yeah yeah Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you being on today, my friend. Thank you so much for everything. Guys, if you are listening at home, we are officially over 200 listeners now. Tell your friends. Show the podcast. Share the podcast. Come hang out. Come follow us on Spotify or anywhere. You we're on 14 different platforms. So check us out, man. Uh, we're going to be uploading. We have another podcast this Sunday at 2 p.m. EST. So we're going to be posting this one soon. So if you like, come join us live every Sunday, 2 p.m. EST. And that's on twitch.tv forward slash level DF, man. Deadly, man. Appreciate you being here, my friend. Hell yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, man, appreciate you, dude. All right, man, we'll see you guys later. Signing off, y'all motherfuckers. Stay average.